0: Thank you, Gleaves. Great to be with you today uh, on this eve of Abraham Lincoln's uh, Bicentennial Celebration and uh, it's a delight to be here with uh, Dr. Anderson who has served this state uh, so uh, nobly and most recently of course as uh, the Director of the Department of History, Arts and Libraries. Um, I certainly want to thank uh, the Hohenstein uh, Center for Presidential Studies for the invitation to be with you today to talk uh, talk about everybody's favorite uh, president, uh, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, let me just uh, lead with uh, a couple questions, kind of framing uh, what I want you to think about as we move through this, uh, uh, this tribute to Abraham Lincoln. What would, what would we make of Abraham Lincoln if he emerged on the scene today? Would we give the time of day to a politician uh, who characterized the crisis in America as the eternal struggle between right and wrong? Would we fully appreciate uh, a national leader who said, my policy is to have no policy? We might question his depth and comprehension of the issues of the day. But these were the words spoken by Abraham Lincoln. And I want you to think, in the context of his day, whether those words uh, were appropriate. I'm, I'm going to just share some personal thoughts. And I, if you have questions, I understand this is kind of a freestyle. You can stop me, ask those questions. Uh, I don't mind being interrupted. I want to share a personal connection, uh, if you will, uh, with President Lincoln, and then close uh, with my own uh, tribute to our 16th President. It is important that we celebrate this bicentennial uh, commemoration. It is important to study the life of Lincoln, and why is that? a study of Lincoln has everything to do with character and values and hard for us to imagine today the level of ridicule criticism and even unkind remarks said about Lincoln in his day even about his appearance and now in this modern age this 21st century his image is the very icon of the ages. His legacy is chiseled, as we know, on, in massive stone uh, on Mount Rushmore. His martyrdom uh, remains etched in the heart of every lover of liberty around the world. For me, as a lawmaker, m- maybe more importantly as a citizen, Lincoln is always the best example, certainly the safest example. And what do I mean by that? I mean, Lincoln doesn't mislead us if we choose to follow his example. Other presidents have been great, even inspirational. But some take us down the wrong path, the path of even personal destruction and wrong living. We wouldn't want to be like them. Lincoln doesn't disappoint us. When I was young and and dreamed about being involved in politics, I studied Lincoln. And I always felt uplifted and ennobled. And in a way we can all identify with Abraham Lincoln because we see in him the life struggles so common to all humanity. We see hope and determination, failure, sadness, a profound yearning for self-improvement, We find accomplishment through hard work, kindness, goodness, and there's a difference. We find compassion, a growing trust in God, and an abiding hope in the promise of America. In Lincoln, we see a reflection of America, and it is good. We need to teach our children the example of Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, true to his calling to save the Union, is a unifier even today. He crosses party lines. Both parties invoke his name. As he did in life, so his legacy does today. He brings out the best in us. I'd like to share a small uh, personal connection with Abraham Lincoln, if you will allow me a personal story and I discovered this association many years ago. I was asked, um, I think I was a city commissioner at the time, I was asked by the local Grange Club uh, to come and talk about Abraham Lincoln. And I thought to myself, is there anything new that could be said about Lincoln? Certainly not. We know it all. Uh, I was reminded maybe uh, by a small voice inside that that suggested that I go back and read Jim Bishop's book, The Day Lincoln Was Shot. And I had this conversation with myself, and I said, no, I don't think so. I've already read that book. I know what's in there. There's nothing new in there. Uh, And again, I was prompted to read Jim Bishop's book, The Day Lincoln Was Shot. Now, mind you, this is not a book that historians today would necessarily suggest that you read if you're going to study the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. They might recommend Ed Steer's book, uh, Blood on the Moon, or Michael Kaufman's um, uh, The American Brutus, uh, two outstanding more recent uh, books that uh, have... uh, really contributed a lot to the research of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But at that time, this may have been 20, 30-some years ago, uh, Jim Bishop's book was still probably uh, regarded as uh, uh, a good work. Uh, We do know that there are some inaccuracies uh, in that book now. But I, true to the prompt, I took the book off the shelf, my own shelf. I, I started reading it. And as I read it, I I thought to myself, there really isn't anything here. Uh, I must have been uh, having some strange imagination until I turned one page and came across uh, a statement about the um, substitute ticket collector at Ford's Theater the night Lincoln was shot. And I think um, uh, Blood on the Moon kind of starts uh, in the first chapter with a, a quote by uh, the substitute ticket collector at Ford's Theater that night, his name uh, was Joseph Sessford. Now, that's an unusual name, S-E-S-S-F-O-R-D. I happen to know something about that name because it's my middle name. And Joseph Sessford Brown was my father. And uh, so here is a gentleman at Ford's Theater, uh, a witness to the most horrific event of, of uh uh... the millennium one of them certainly and he has this same name as my father and i thought you know there it's an unusual name it's a small family to begin with it's a scottish name um, i knew that my my father was from kansas my mother was from michigan uh, but i had some knowledge that my great 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 grandfather a man named john cessford uh... settled in washington in fact uh... when he died uh... the obituary referred to him as the father of the city the chronicler of washington dc and in fact in the national intelligencer in that newspaper i found the obit uh... in the microfish. it may have been at that time at western michigan university and up above my great great grandfather's obituary is the obituary for willie lincoln So here they died just within days. Uh, But it's the son of my great-great-great-grandfather, who was the substitute ticket collector at Ford's Theater, my great-great-great-uncle. And I didn't know this. My father didn't know this. So I mean, I'm giving you a capsule summary of, of some extensive research I had to do. Uh, to to uh, just ascertain the the connection there. But again, the name is so unusual, there's so few of us um, that I was certain even at first uh, reading that, that he had to be connected with my family. So that's um, my little connection to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, when I discovered that, I thought, well, I wonder what, there must be some extent Uh, statement of Joseph Sessford that he must have given perhaps in the trial Um, and I thought to myself I'm gonna go to Kalamazoo to the bicentennial bookstore I don't even know if it's still there Uh, it's a bookstore of old books and I'm gonna get maybe a pamphlet and it'll have a picture of this Joseph Sessford maybe tell his story I went there I looked in the Lincoln section and again true to the prompt Uh, I found just what I was looking for. I still have that, and I've used that photo uh, and had it reprinted in this little piece I wrote about uh, Lincoln uh, and the assassination. And I think the Hohenstein Center has has that on their website or did for a period of time. Gleaves is nodding his head. So you can read that if you go to the website. Now, let me fast forward. the other night I came home, was asked to attend an urgent meeting that, uh, of some city fathers. They were concerned and anxious to share with me some good news about an economic development project that they were so hopeful about in my community. Um, I got there and found out that the economic development project included a casino in Sturgis, Michigan, if you can believe it. Um, so here I am in in the crosshairs of this issue because they're looking for some legislation to enact a um, a compact with the state of michigan and this indian tribe and i'm thinking to myself i ran for office because i believed in something after all abraham lincoln is my example and so lincoln is never far from our conscience as um Americans as people who choose to be grounded in the principles of uh, the ethic of hard work, uh, individual responsibility. Uh, And and Lincoln quickly rose to my conscience in this little confrontation because I have a different point of view than the city fathers uh, regarding this project. Um, Politics um, may have involved uh... self-improvement uh... but more importantly there was a deep-seated moral imperative that stirred the soul of lincoln uh, it certainly can be the same for us today i think it can be there have been uh, many many tributes uh... given in memory to abraham lincoln uh... least among them is one i offer now in, in closing It was a spring day, full of promise. A father and his three sons were planting corn. The father was a pioneer, settling the American frontier. He brought his family to the edge of the woods to experience the freedom of life unsullied by the din of the city. He looked around him, and we can imagine that the world must have seemed alive, full of hope and the land boundless, green, and fertile. His name was Abraham, after the ancient patriarch whose faith withstood the test on Mount Moriah. This latter-day Abraham had carved out a home in the woods of America against the wishes of those who defended their native claim to the land. And so here stood this family in the planting fields of the New World when a shot was fired that silenced the sound of their labor and struck their father dead. The eldest son ran quickly to a nearby cabin and grabbed a, wa- a rifle while the youngest son knelt down beside his father. The frontier patriarch Abraham Lincoln lie dead on the ground. The older son set his gun sight on a silver pendant shining in the distance and fired a volley that killed his father's assassin, just in time to save his young brother from the hands of unforgiving Indians. Is this story one we are familiar with? Abraham Lincoln being killed by the Indians? Anybody? I see some people shaking their heads. Perhaps not, but it is true. You see, the younger brother in this story later married a woman named Nancy Hanks. They had a son. They gave him the name of his grandfather, Abraham. Young Abraham grew up to be a prairie lawyer and a politician. He had a high-pitched Kentucky twang, not the rich baritone of movie impersonators. And he walked flat-footed, plopping one foot down and then another. He had a trick eye that kept its gaze apart from the other. And he laughed heartily at his own rough humor. He used his complete first name, not really fond of the shortened nickname that others called him. He certainly was a plain man, a tall, ungainly man. But when he spoke about democracy, the heart of America listened. In the state house in Illinois, He reached back 2,000 years to the sacred text of scripture and spoke words relevant for his own day. A house divided against itself, he said, cannot stand. On the Illinois prairie, he challenged the political giant of that day. And in the piercing and impassioned tones of his voice, framed the argument as an eternal struggle between two principles right and wrong. To an unbridled Congress, he said, we cannot escape history. We will be remembered in spite of ourselves. And on the battlefield at Gettysburg, his words transformed an elegy of unspeakable loss into a buoyant hope in the true promise of America, the promise that all are created equal. Abraham Lincoln belongs to all of America, not just one party. And here it is important to have perspective. It was not a conservative fiscal or monetary policy that brought Mr. Lincoln into the Republican fold, nor was it a cry for lower taxes that catapulted him onto the national scene. In fact, he strongly favored an activist government, building roads, bridges, and transportation networks. What brought Mr. Lincoln to the attention of his countrymen was a moral imperative. He believed that Almighty God had a claim on America and that morality had a claim on American politics. We should be thankful that such a man lived and that such a man came to maturity at the crossroads of our national history. Mr. Lincoln's public life was like his private life. He had integrity. Nothing less could save this country and nothing less could endure the scrutiny of history. This evening we honor the memory of Abraham Lincoln and we are joined by countless others throughout the country in this wonderful bicentennial celebration and indeed probably Dr. Anderson around the world and as we do so let us honor him by honoring his dedication to the principle that right, that right makes might let us honor this man Lincoln in spirit and truth and dedicate ourselves anew to the values he so nobly advanced and to the nation he so faithfully preserved. Let us then take increased devotion to that cause for which he gave the last full measure of devotion, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. God bless you all, and may God bless the memory of this great and good man. If you have some questions, I'd be happy to chat with you. You've got, it's a little intimidating because I'm here with some wonderful historians. And uh, But uh, if you have any questions, let it fly. Any thoughts? Gleaves. Well, Senator Brown, I'm just curious. Very eloquent and moving, especially the personal Of the Lincoln biographies you've read, which ones seem to capture in your mind that personal touch that you also try to convey? Well, I mean, I love the poetry of Carl Sandburg, but Carl Sandburg was not a historian. Uh, But I do love the poetry, the the, the, the language, the artistry, the English. uh, Beautiful, beautiful work. Uh, I grew up with Benjamin Thomas, one volume. Uh, I still like Benjamin Thomas simply because I think he's he's very respectful. I think uh, David Donald um, uh, not as eulogistic as as, uh, Benjamin Thomas. Uh, uh, The new book by Mr. White which I haven't read, uh, but I know Dr. Anderson is reading it. I'm very anxious to read because he has, uh, I think, an affinity for Lincoln that I think we will treat the president uh, quite well. Uh, he's, he's fair and honest, but he's, he's also very endearing in his writing, uh, and um, I'm very anxious to read that book. So I'm hopeful that may be, to me, the definitive Lincoln biography. I hope that answers your question. Yes.
1: Do legislators in Lansing take take Lincoln with them to work each day, or what, what can they learn from Lincoln? What,
0: what do you take with you to work each day? Well we're, try- we're <laughs> trying to uh, with the Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Committee and, and through this leadership program launched by Dr. Anderson where we, we're taking members of the legislature and bringing them toge- bringing them together at a, at a dinner with, with some outstanding speakers. Um, Mr. White being one of the recent ones uh, and we have programs coming up, um, we're trying to encourage, Encouraging a sense of uh, appreciation for Lincoln. Um, I mean, Lincoln is the quintessential American, and in politics, he, as I said earlier, he he really. Um, if it, I mean, I tell young people, uh, if you know, study history and study, you know, the lives of great people, men and women, and certainly Lincoln is just at the top because, again, we can identify with him in his struggles, Uh, and he grew kind of line upon line, precept upon precept, as the scriptures say. So, Senator Tom George uh, has a a wonderful appreciation of Mr. Lincoln and and, and really invests a good bit of time trying to do this very thing, encouraging um, a study of Lincoln, certainly in the Kalamazoo County area. Um, We're working on it. Um, You know, when I was a kid, um, my father, You know, appreciated Lincoln. He took me to all the Civil War battlefields in the area that I grew up in, Northern Virginia. Spent summers here in Michigan, but grew up in Northern Virginia. Uh, And I remember asking my father at an early age, you know, what uh, he he had been uh, a county attorney in his hometown in Kansas before I was born. I asked him, "What's the secret to political success?" And uh, I think he'd read a lot of Lincoln. Um, And his answer was one word and it was honesty. And I was disappointed because I thought it would, you know, that's a given, you know. You got Give me a better answer, Dad. Uh, but I have to tell you, in the years since, I'm grateful for that conversation. There is no other foundation for good government. Without that, everything falls apart and it falls apart you know, in the company of a, a Republican caucus or a Democrat, Democratic caucus, um, uh, we're trying to model Lincoln in this bicentennial year, and we got a lot of work to do. So, it's a question that each senator and representative, you know, will have to answer. Uh, but certainly, we're trying. Dr. Anderson. Chair, sure,
1: what you're personally
0: going to do on February 12th, you know, um, I'm going to. Um, I've put together um, what I call a Lincoln story uh and uh, I should have brought one uh it's essentially this story but kind of condensed about uh Abraham Lincoln's grandfather and I've put it in I've had it printed up as a table what I call a table tent I was in marketing for years so it's it's uh, a legal size and it has scores so you fold it it's triangular it stands and uh we glue the back and I'm going to have it on the desk of each um, Senator. and So they'll get to read that and hopefully encourage again an appreciation for the the life of Lincoln. That story incidentally uh, was the defining most formative story for Abraham Lincoln, uh, certainly for his father because he was the young uh, Thomas who was there uh, kneeling beside his fallen father. That story was just told to Abraham Lincoln president lincoln by his father time and time again they never wanted to forget that story because the hardships that ensued with the loss of the head of the household was significant uh and it it's it's interesting that 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 you know the the lincoln family in our understanding of their history starts with this uh assassination and 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 it ends you know with another assassination and of course they both shared the same name so so I'm going to share that with uh, um, uh, my colleagues, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. Was that... Yes, sir? I'm wondering, in your opinion, how do you relate um, Lincoln's idea of a new birth of freedom, how does Gettysburg Address maybe the thesis of the Gettysburg Address with uh, Lincoln's understanding of the Declaration? Well, of course, I'd encourage you to read that wonderful book by um, Gary wills, a Lincoln at Gettysburg. Some people may uh, challenge him on this, but i I think is he is just the the most masterful um, um, perspective of 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 the Gettysburg Address in terms of the implications of what Lincoln was trying to say and maybe maybe he puts more into it than Lincoln could have ever imagined but uh, I would encourage you to, you to read Gary Wells' book I think it's titled Lincoln at Gettysburg um, and I'm gonna to try to answer your question What? maybe I'm not sure what the question is I'm wondering if there's a, a connection or a, a progression in this thinking or, or, or well, you know, the Gettysburg Address Keep inspired by a basic understanding of the Declaration? Well, keep in mind the Declaration. We talked about that tragedy with his grandfather being the formative uh, story of his uh, childhood. The Declaration of Independence was the formative uh, political uh, ideology, context of his politics, his love of America. It was grounded in... The Declaration of Independence. He has that wonderful statement where he says he never had a, a political thought that didn't stem from that document. Uh, so it really kind of governed, I think, his thinking. That that God had given rights, that not a Congress, and that those rights, um, uh, you know, made us a special nation. Um, and and so yes, I think he was, you know, that the the spirit of the founders was alive and well in Abraham Lincoln. So he took that incredible tragedy, and I, I have a, one of my great-great-grandfathers actually uh, was at, in the Battle of Gettysburg, of course, on the Union side, and, uh, and in fact had a casualty from that. I, I know that because I'm a member of the Sons of the Union Veterans of the Civil War, and I had to document it before I could join. Um, but, but he was so inspired by the founders. He thought it was something uncommon in the annals of world history. So, so it's, it's good that, that he went back to something so basic uh, and gave it new life. Uh, and so, yes, that was guiding his thoughts, I think, throughout the, the, the trial of the Civil War and, and gave such wonderful expression to it at Gettysburg. Yes, sir.
1: Because he did what he did for our country. Um, When people are looking for things to get at, Lincoln, to tear him down, they always say that he was a racist. When someone comes up to you and says that, how do you reply to it? How do you say, look, that? How do you do it?
0: Well, I, I think you have to be, you know... The word historiography is the study of the study of history. And, and we need to be very careful with Lincoln on, on this point as we study the history. Uh, he made statements certainly early in his political career that, that in the abstract kind of could be taken as, as uh, gee, that, that's nothing I'd say today. Um, I'm not sure that in the context of the time they were that terribly radical. Uh, But even those statements, he he grew and evolved in his thinking and especially in his um, encounter with Frederick Douglass and his incredible appreciation for the black soldiers who served in the Civil War. This changed his thinking. He grew, again, as I said, line upon line, precept upon precept. The same is true, I think, with his religious faith uh... it became something deeply profound nothing on the shirt sleeve uh... and i think his his understanding about the complexity of the race issue uh... and how it you know has to be settled into the future uh... grew so we can't we can't pigeonhole a statement that he made at one point in time and say that's reflective of of his mature expression so my short answer to you with a long explanation is that no i I wouldn't uh, characterize him in these very negative tones that some revisionist historians have uh, because um, he, he was like all of us uh, uh, and, and subject to, to grow with new information and new understanding, new eyes. so But you've got some wonderful historians here. They might you know chime in on this.
1: Well, one thing. I- when he said, "I never," one of the Douglas debates said, "I never once said that I wanted the slaves to move up here and all but, uh Douglas used to bait them. He used to talk to those white landowning voters that if Lincoln wins, you're going to have all these slaves coming up here to take your jobs and take your daughters, and you usually don't see that as a precept. Well, he was he was a
0: politician, so he he wanted to make it clear that. Uh, he was totally against slavery, um, but you know he may have been subject to some of the the uh, you know prejudice and misunderstanding of the day. But certainly he didn't want people to think that uh, uh, he was going to you know encourage intermarriage or something of that sort. But but he 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 profoundly uh, deplored. Uh, slavery, uh, the, you know the the institution in America, and uh, as he said, as I would not be a master, so I would not be a slave. You know, I, um, he he was strong and bold in that regard, um, and uh, we have to be so grateful that that uh, he had a backbone.
1: I say to my students, um, I don't have to love you, I want you to have your rights, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes make their
0: own decisions on Lincoln in that way. Well, look at the, the full measure of the man, the complete history. Uh, uh, and and look at uh, Frederick Douglass's comments about Lincoln after he was shot. I mean wonderful tribute. Uh, and here's a black man that came into the White House and um, you know face to face. So what else are you thinking? Thinking you can be another Lincoln, (laughs) huh? Well, I appreciate the invitation to be here and encourage your study of this great man. Thank you. Yes, I do. Before you go,